Welcome to the Pop on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 402 of the podcast, which is very impressive. I am not in drag for this episode. I have been for the last couple of episodes, but uh, sometimes wearing women's clothes for the podcast helps me understand women. So like now I can wear a really nice dress and then also be really excited to finally take off the goddamn dress. Yes. Which I think is probably one of the most feminine things that I've ever thought in my life. So that's good. Uh, We've got a great show lined up. We are going to be discussing um, the time I met an SNL cast member. We're going to be talking about the uh, world famous author who wrote a werewolf novel that uh, we will be talking about Disneyland and John Kramer and Paul Williams and the last temptation of Christ and Kent state university and uh, police. We've got a full show and I'm very excited about it. It it certainly sounds Uh, it. Yeah, we we've we've got we've got a full show. We've got a packed show. I'm pretty excited. So let's get to all of that. Yes. This is the 402nd episode of this podcast. We started recording this podcast in 2014 to focus on two things: the Sochi Winter Olympics and uh, Will's death on the Good Wife. Yes. Two very 2014 things. Well, now, here we are, seven years and 402 episodes later. And don't question that math, by the way, because it's, it's, it's airtight. It's airtight math. Uh, this podcast is still, still going strong. Sure, we're not the number one most popular podcast in the world. Uh, sure, we're not the number three most popular podcast in the world. Sure, we're not the number five most popular podcast in the world. Sure, we're not the number 10 most popular podcast in the world, or even the 12th most popular podcast in the world. Sure, we're not the 14th. Sure, we're not the 14th most popular podcast in the world, or even the 300th. But as longtime follow- followers of this podcast will no doubt already know, this podcast is huge in the small town of Kent, Ohio. Yes, it is. We still don't know why. We still don't know why. But yeah, people in Kent, Ohio just absolutely love us. Can't, can't get enough of us. It's weird. But they love us down there. People in downtown Kent, Ohio, were walking the streets dressed as Bunny with just don't signs. Yes. You yes. know? 
Everyone has their hair dyed green to match mine. Everyone listens to Rick D's, and there's no Elvis Costello allowed in Kent, Ohio. Elvis Costello or John Bon Jovi. So uh, they're they're pretty hardcore T-Pop fans over there. Yes. Everyone in Ohio just gets high and listens to this podcast, and we're flattered. We are flattered that the town of Kent, Ohio loves us so much. So, uh, I mean, we're just as surprised as you, the audience, are to see that uh, Kent, Ohio is such a big, you know, such a we have such a strong fan base there. So we figured let's help out our fan base in Kent, Ohio, by doing a local calendar of events for Kent so that all of our fans in Kent, Ohio will know what to do in Kent, Ohio. Yes. So, so I, I, I uh, did some investigating. I, I did, figured out what's going on in, in Kent, Ohio, and I have, a, I have a calendar of events for the small town of Kent, Ohio. Special shout out to the Kent, Ohio, Ohio Chamber of Commerce for helping us with this. Yes. This is 100 percent gentlemen. This is 100 percent ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, there are ladies in the Kent, Ohio Chamber of Commerce, Bunny. Wow. Wow. Very progressive. Dude, welcome to Kent, Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, my, my first event in the Kent, Ohio calendar of events has to be the Haymaker Farmer's Market, which, of course, happens every Saturday morning at downtown Kent, Ohio, right there on Franklin Avenue from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And be sure to, bu- to visit booth 304, where musician Buzz Skaggs will be there licking artichokes. You really... Nice. This is This is one of... Just a, a where else are you going to get an artichoke licked by Boz Skaggs? I it's, ask. it's true, and and you really gotta you really gotta consider the draw of the Kent yeah. Farmers Market ability to draw in top talent such as Boz Boz Skaggs. Yeah, the Boz Skaggs we're talking about here. Yes. It's a big deal. Uh, the Kent Heritage Celebration is once again on July tw- on June 26th in downtown Kent. There will be booths, activities, live music, a dazzling fireworks show, and a look at the history of the town, like when old Zeke finally got his derned tractor a-working again. Yes. Which is an important part of the history of Kent, Ohio. And don't forget, you can get half-price hummus every Tuesday at Grazer's Restaurant, located at 123 North Water Street. And if you find yourself getting excited over half-priced hummus in Kent, Ohio, maybe it's time to seriously rethink your life. Yes. Just, uh, just, uh, Just a friendly little thought there for you. And finally, the jewel of Kent, Ohio, is, of course, gorgeous Kent State University. You can uh, tours of the campus are always available. You can see such sites as white people. Yes. More white people. Uh And the place where all those people died. Yes. Hooray. 
And that's it for the Kent, Ohio calendar of events. So go out and enjoy yourselves, Kent, Ohioans. Kent, 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 Ohioans. Kent, Ohioanites. Kent, Ohioanites. Kent, Ohioanites. Those are all real things. Be sure and get half-price hummus every Tuesday at Grazer's Restaurant. Uh, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. No. Not a sponsor. This is just from this is just from our hearts. Yeah. This is just me in Oklahoma and Bunny in Colorado doing a serious calendar events of a small town we've never been to. Yes. The Pope on Film Podcast. Hooray! That that actually reminds me of something I want to bring up over in Bunny Versus. So Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Hooray. Uh so so cut on that. Bunny! Yes. I want to get serious for a moment, if I may. Okay. Uh if you've read this podcast's reviews on Apple Podcasts, then you know that this podcast is nothing but left-wing trash that panders to dirty, thieving liberals. Yay! But I'm just going to come out and say something here. I know that this sort of betrays our liberal roots of the show. I know this isn't going to be the most popular... A thing that we've ever said on the podcast, but I I believe in speaking truth, speaking truth to power, and so I'm just going to come out and say it. I support our nation's cops. Okay. American police force. We've got to support the cops, the boys in blue. We all need to come together as a nation and back the blue people. I mean, it's hard being a cop out there in America. Cops are the thin blue line that 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 separates uh, American prosperity and just utter chaos. We need the police force. We need cops in America. And right now, it's so difficult being a cop, you know, spending your time on the really is. Yeah. Spending so much time on the rough streets, protecting and serving which is what cops do, protecting people and also serving them, making sure everyone is safe. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to help people while being attacked by the Antifa left. Yeah. 24-7 and Black Lives Matter, only to come home absolutely exhausted, so tired from your beat, from being on the streets protecting people, so tired that you barely have enough strength to beat your wife senseless. Yes. Cops can, are so tired from, from their work, they can barely beat their wives. And then your son, Billy Tommy, Billy Tommy, runs in with a kite, excited to finally get to spend time with his dad. It's like, oh, dad, I've got this kite. Let's play with this kite. But then... You mistake the kite for a weapon and you have to shoot your son in the face. Yeah. And then your neighbor comes by to borrow, I don't know, a cup of sugar, cup of flour, 
but your neighbor is black, so you have to shoot them in the face. And then by the time you're done covering up all of your crimes, you barely have enough time to focus on the things that are important to you, like alcoholism and doing drugs. So that's why we here at the Pope on Film definitely back the blue. So remember, listeners out there, to always, always support your local alpha male abusive corrupt alcoholic police force. Yes. And, and I also want to share the one thing that we have in common, because it's our commonalities that really bring us together with the police force. You as a writer, I as a writer, Christian, uh, I, I know he always writes his hand writes his scripts such as I do. The pain right in here right in here from all that writing and the and how many tickets cops have to write in a day you know that is grossly overlooked you know see if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for the amount of all the tickets that you have to write he wouldn't have had to have shot his son because he would have been able to clench a fist and bust him in the mouth like a yeah. good father does. Okay. Yeah. Or so you use a bag horrible... of sweet What? Or he could have just hit his son with a big bag of sweet Valencia oranges. <laughs> so this tragic, tragic horror could have been avoided if we raise the policing budget so that we can get these police officers, more comfortable pens. Yes, absolutely. And really, it wasn't, all, better pen. it really wasn't all that tragic because he didn't really think the kid was his anyway. But anyway. Yeah. But, but that's my, that's my police bit. That's my police bit. I'm really proud of it. It, it is a good mm-hmm. police bit. Thank you. Really, really happy with the way that it came out. Uh, you know, and you say that, that, you know, the problem is that a lot of people think that, 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 oh, here's, here's regular common people and here's the police force. And a lot of people say that we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling apart. A lot of people say that the world has come between us. Our lives have come between us. But I know you just don't care, funny. So that's why whenever I see a cop, I say, what about breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah. That's the one thing we got. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, I don't know why I made that reference, but I stand by it. I stand by that reference that I just made. See, anyway. I've never, uh, I've never looked. So that's, actually a, that's actually a, a, a review we got on iTunes. Yeah. I got to track that down. Okay, man. We uh, should make that the description for the show. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay. Uh, so, so, so cut on the police bit. Funny. Yes. Okay. Um, this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time and I've been sitting on it. Um, I've tested this out with a couple of people and it's, it's never done good, but okay. Funny. Yes. Before we go to the break, finally, Bunny, before we get to the break, I just have a very quick little celebrity story that I don't think I've ever told here on the podcast, which is weird. Okay. But 
I don't think I've ever told this story before, but did I ever tell you that I once met Mike Myers? No. Yeah, I met actor Mike Myers uh, for reals. I met him in 2006. And and that's weird. I never told you this. And that's weird that you wouldn't say that you had met Michael Myers, but you did say that you had met I can I can barely Timothy Busfield, is that his name from Revenge oh, of the yeah. Nerds? Oh yeah, he comes into the bookstore all the time. Yeah, yeah Timothy Busfield from from Thirty Something. He used to come into the bookstore all the time when I worked in Sacramento. His son uh, came to a story time once. Yeah. So I don't know why he didn't think of me to be in Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip. That would have been a big deal breaker for me. You yeah. know, would have been my big break because that show. You know, that's going to last forever. But yeah, so I never told you about the time I, I met Mike Myers. No. Okay, well, let me tell you about it. So I met him in 2006. I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscious, no understanding of even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil. Right or wrong. Yes. I met this Canadian comedian with this blind, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Like a doll's eyes. Spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized what was living behind that Canadian's eyes was pure and simply evil. Yeah. It was right before he made the love guru. So, <laughs> you know, one uh, thing that they never mention about evil hmm. awesome table manners. Okay, now I think that that whole bit is hilarious because that was Doctor that was Donald Pleasance's monologue from the original Halloween. Yes, where he's talking about Michael Myers, but I did it as if I'm talking about actor Mike Myers. I tried that on a couple of family members, and no one gave a shit. But I was like, if any, if if there's anywhere where this is going to take off, it's going to be on the podcast. Yes, yes, it will. I am proud. I of that, felt like that I was bit. in the back seat of a car, saying, "This is Michael Myers. This is yeah. a Halloween yeah. mask." <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm really proud of that whole monologue. I, yes. I'm really proud of that. I think that was great. Anyway, that's it for Act One this week. I have a bit of a short show. I've got a short chap. I've got a movie to talk about during Bunny Versus. And then uh, uh, this week's, uh, we're doing a double feature. Yes, And we it's are. great. After a very it's long great. time. This is it's the a most, double feature. This is the most mm -hmm. awesome double feature ever. Ever. Because we're doing, because we're discussing Goodfellas, and then we're discussing the sequel that came before Goodfellas. Yes. It, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it is beyond gonna, a doubt a sequel. 
it yeah. is most yeah. definitely a sequel, even though, you know, I mean, it's, they're both drawing from the same source material. Yeah. Yeah. Even if names are changed and situations are kind of tweaked around a little, it's still a sequel. It's still a sequel, even though it came out first. Very excited about this episode. But before we get to, to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I didn't ask you, Eleanor. I asked Bunny. Bunny said we should take a break, and I concur. We will be right back with more of the Hope on Film after this. Do 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 skiddy papa do wow and break. I'm going to drink a 41-year-old beverage that might kill me. There was a TV show called Dallas. Dallas was a soap opera that originally premiered in April of 1978 as a miniseries. But the miniseries was so popular that in September of 1978, they decided to turn it into a short one-season TV show. It became so popular that it ran from 1978 to 1991. One character, uh, Bobby Ewing, was killed off, but he was so popular that they decided to make his death a dream. Really stupid. And then, of course, the the main character was sort of the the patriarch of the family. His name was J.R. Ewing. In the 1980s, they made a beer. Premium beer. J.R. Ewing's Private Stock came out in the year 1980. And it says on the bottom here, if you have to ask how much my beer costs, you probably can't afford it. 
I purchased very cheaply a six-pack of this. One had a hole in it, and it was empty, but the other five were still open and sealed, and so I put this in the fridge for a while, and I'm going to drink it. Surprisingly, I posted about this on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, I've got this 41-year-old beer. Who wants to see me try it? And the answer was a big, resounding, no, are you serious? You could die. Which I wasn't expecting from Twitter, but I basically got shamed. And uh, so I'm going to open this. This is weird. Do you see this? How, how do I? Ooh, look at that. That's the weirdest. Huh? Yeah, it's like V8. Okay. So, um, all right. No, I didn't shake it. I'm going to drink a 41-year-old beer now, so Pinky's up for the classy stuff. So, okay. First off, it tastes dusty. It might be a little dust on the bottom. But when you get past that, okay, so you know when when you're like young, when you're like in your 20s, and you're like, I'm going to go get beer. The cheapest beer imaginable. Okay, so, so there's like, there's like cheap beer that will burn your mouth because it's horrible. And then there's cheap beer where it's like Mickey's. Eh, that's what this is. This isn't bad. But it's also not good. It, 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 it tastes alright. Tastes alright. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. It tastes cheap. It doesn't taste as uh, as uh, premium as J.R. Ewing from the hit show Dallas, but no, this is all right. This is pretty good. I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, this isn't that bad. It's cheap and dusty. But I've I've drank cheap and dusty beer before. You know, go into some sketchy convenience store and they have a ninety-eight cent uh pint of some beer you've never heard of before and you buy that, that's what this tastes like. Uh it's not that bad. Not that bad. It's alright. This is a weird video. But, hey, thanks for watching. And if you're watching this during the podcast, hey, break time. Buddy and I are peeing. I had some crazy nicknames back in the 70s. But all those friends died in the 80s.
Stand by your window so I can see you. You stand a million miles away. Oh, I'm sorry, hon. I'm not allowed to have windows. Uh, court order. So, um, you sound kind of soft. Uh, if it's not too personal, when was the last time you had one? in the sunset, long walks on the pavement, and hiding in shoes, and I'm looking for a special female, and girl, not everyone sees you the way I do, so let me look deep inside, all eight of your beautiful eyes, and I don't see human like other people do, I see a glorious spider baby, yeah, so I want to let you know. I'd play spider with you all night long. Shimmy here, up next to me, and do that stanky spider dance you do. So shake that cephalothorax, and your abdomen do. Ah, girl. Come on, come on, be my spider, baby. Yeah. Be my spider, baby. Come on, come on, be my baby. And I know how it is 
When a male spotted tries to show you what he's made of And I gotta let you know I don't mind dying For just one night of sweet spot of love If that's what it takes to get near your girl A hungry female may consume any invertebrate that comes along Including her shooters But baby, but baby I don't mind Because you're truly worthy You're worth it baby my pedipals are palpitating, circulating. I could be perspirating, but I can't because I got an ectoskeleton. But that don't matter now. So let me be your daddy, baby. Hopelessly tangled up in your silky web. Let me kiss your fangs before you jump off my head. Yeah. Species. Females eat the males after sweet, sweet love. But I don't mind. Nah. You see, I got eight boots on my legs for knocking. I notice you do too. Spider baby rocking all night long. You see, even spider love is blind. Come on. Ooh. Come on, come on, be my spider baby. Sixteen yeah. boots of spider knocking. Come on, come on. You know it's true, girl. Come on, come on, come on, be my spider baby. Don't you scream? Come on, come on, be my baby. Be my spider baby. Yeah. Come on, come on, be my spider baby. When mold and musty odors invade your space, get Concrobium Mold Control. As it dries, only Concrobium crushes mold and mildew at its roots, leaving an invisible antimicrobial shield so it won't grow back. It's odorless, too. For the safe way to defend your home from mold and mildew, Concrobium. And don't forget to protect against musty odors and moisture damage with Concrobium Moisture Grabbers. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Funny. Yes. 
Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you psyched? Are you jazzed? Are you jazzed, Bunny? Are you jazzed? Oh, you'll find out how jazzed I am. All righty then. Well, then, without any further ado, leave my book alone. Thank you. It is time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bonnie Williams. Take it away, Bunny. We were cruising into Act 2 at 85 miles an hour in a convertible pink Cadillac with big flowers on the side of it. I had a full cup of coffee and a freshly rolled joint. That's when the drugs kicked in. That's so funny that you should say that because I was trying to figure out how I felt. Like, do I feel happy? Do I feel depressed? And that's when I realized that I feel like a monster reincarnation of Horatio Alger, a man on the move, and just sick enough to be totally confident. (laughs) Oh. I really need to read more Hunter Thompson. I've read, I've read some. Yeah. I, I have to go back for some of his older stuff. Um, I read a uh, Generation of Swine, mm-hmm. which was like pretty contemporary work uh, in the eighties. And it, fuck, man, when did it come out? Like maybe. 88, 89, I, I don't think the 80s were over when I was reading that book. So all of it, that yeah. was a series of articles. Uh, and it was a lot of fun because all of the articles, like, like he's, he's got a two-part essay on Chernobyl, you know, from like Chernobyl yeah. just fucking happening. He's got stories about Gary Hart on the boat, you know? Yeah. So I read that, and I read uh, Curse of Lono, which was pretty good, but I kind of think he was trying to catch that fear and loathing in Las Vegas thing again. Yeah. I, I don't particularly like the movie, you know? I, I would love to read it, though. Yeah. I am a huge fan of Hunter S. Thompson's. I've read all of his books. Uh, the Very Hungry Caterpillar, The Very Lonely Firefly, Papa, Please Get the Moon for Me. And a lot of people think that uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? But no, Bill Martin Jr. wrote it. Hunter S. Thompson just did the illustration. Yeah. So The Very Quiet Cricket. Yeah. Uh, the Mixed Up Chameleon. Ten Little Rubber Ducks. That one's a classic. <laughs> so, so there's that. Buddy, I wanted to talk about something. Yes. I went to the movies. Yes. What did you see? Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yeah. See, like, like I, I'm, well, first, I am just introverted. I'm not interested in going out. But like I, I don't want to go out for a movie that I, that I would not ordinarily go out for. So I'm really waiting for something bigger. Maybe Black Widow. Yeah. Really excited for Black Widow. Uh, 
so yeah, I went to go see Spiral. It only released in theaters. It didn't release in as it, it, it wasn't a digital release as well. They've been doing that a lot. So Cruella came out in theaters and you can see it on Disney Plus. And then King Kong versus Godzilla came out in theaters and you could see it on HBO Max, whatever the hell that is. So so Spiral was just in theaters. I have no idea when it's going to be available to download. So I said, I really want to go see this because uh, Chris Rock came up with the story. The yeah. story was his idea. He he was apparently a big Saw fan and had an idea for a, a new take on it. Yeah. And so so I I I wanted to see the Chris Rock Saw movie. I mean how that was are, interesting. How are movie theaters doing? Because like we have to save fucking movie theaters. You know? I mean Yeah, we do. Movie yeah, we do. theaters sound like really trivial when you think about it but come on man for fucking proletariat like us it's the only goddamn entertainment we have you know once in a while we get out and go to a fucking movie and probably have dinner you know me me and genie we you know we make it a night you know yeah yeah we're old so it's still an early night (laughs) You know, it's weird for me to think of the fact that, like, I used to watch three movies a week, you know, and now I've only watched two this year. I mean, what are that blows my mind? Yeah. I mean, what are your choices for any kind of entertainment in the society at our economic level? You can go to a movie. Yeah. You can go to a bar. You can go to community theater, but but all of these places are all these places are in the same trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I went to go see Spiral, and that was good. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a Saw film. Okay. It's just not a saw. It's difficult to explain. Number one, this is the most I've laughed in a saw movie. Yeah. Chris Rock had an idea for a saw film. He had an original idea. So they got two screenwriters and the screenwriters wrote the script and then Chris Rock got it and then punched it up. And there's definite scenes in the movie where you can go, oh, Chris Rock wrote this part. Chris Rock wrote this part. Chris Rock wrote this part. But the rest of the film. So there are parts that are hilarious. In the beginning, you see Chris Rock's character. And he's uh, undercover with a bunch of criminals and they're about to rob somebody and they're getting ready for to like bust in with guns to like steal some drugs or some money or some shit. And they're putting they're they're getting their weapons ready in the hotel room and they're putting on their outfits and their camouflage and their bulletproof vests. And the whole time, Chris Rock is just there talking to these criminals about how fucked up the movie Forrest Gump is. And it felt exactly like a Chris Rock version of the opening of Reservoir Dogs. Okay. 
And it was so weird because it's like, oh, it, like this shouldn't be in a Saw movie, but still it was good. And he's and the criminals are like, hey, uh, Forrest Gump didn't have it all bad. He got to have sex with Jenny. And Chris Rock is like, yeah, Jenny had sex with him after she got AIDS. Throughout <laughs> yeah. the entirety of their lives, Jenny's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with you, Forrest. Oh, Forrest, get away from me. Oh, Forrest, I don't want anything to do with you. But once she gets AIDS, hey, Forrest, let's have sex. So, yeah. like, that was funny. But at the same time, like, this, this isn't a fucking Saw film. <laughs> And then the traps are okay, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of them, and there's not a, that much of a focus on them. It's really more of like a criminal procedural film. It's about these cops. Chris Rock is a cop. He's trying to track down this new jigsaw copycat who is hunting down crooked cops, and and it, it sometimes it feels less like a Saw movie and more like you're watching Criminal Minds or Law and Order or fucking yeah. CSI. But just like a, a gory episode of CSI. Yeah. But I but so I can see why some fans of Saw would not like this film. But on the other hand, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who consider themselves fans of Saw in 2021. So for those people, I would say, maybe you should see this one. Because yeah. this is 100% unlike any of the other eight goddamn Saw movies. This sure. is completely different. And it's not that scary. It's not that violent. It's an interesting criminal procedural detective thriller yeah and not it's not a horror movie but some people might like that yeah so once i got home i saw the last one i saw i think it was just called jigsaw i was like i'm gonna watch that in because that feels like a saw movie that one is a saw movie spiral is a good movie but it's not a star movie okay but there's still got to be some kind of a connection to Saw, right? Uh, there's a very basic connection to Saw in that, oh, uh, this can't be John Kramer. John Kramer's dead. It's probably another copycat. And, and then other than that, that's it. And then at the end, the person who ends up being the bad guy is, oh, I was, I was enamored of John Kramer, and he used the spiral as a symbol and that's what i use as my symbol but i think we can go further with this how about and and so but other than that that's that's it there's no real saw connection see now other they, this is where i always get in trouble with movies okay yeah because those are some intriguing ideas and my brain is adding ideas that i would really kind of like to see and when i get around to seeing it that's not what I'm going to see, and I'm going to be disappointed. Happens all the fucking time. But yeah. I, I, I'm kind of picturing as a, what I would think would be cool would be Chris Rock, yes, he's a detective or whatever he is in this, and he is also a big horror fan. Okay? So you see him kicking back at home and shit. Maybe he's got some friends over or whatever. Just watching some horror movies. 
And there is a local killer afoot. And as he starts finding out more about the killer, he's like, this is the fucking Saw movies. He's doing the Saw movies. So you got a copycat killer. You know, like the guy on Craigslist who killed people and blamed it on Dexter. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So like, kind of like that. That'd be fun, I think. That would be. That would be. But but it it's a fun, entertaining movie. But I don't think it's a saw film. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's bad. And I'd yeah. be. But then they announced that that uh, Saw Ten is already in development. That they're working on a sequel. But what? But what the Saw people said is, hey, this might be a, we we have yet to figure out what this is a sequel to. It might be a sequel to Chris Rock's film. It might be a sequel to Jigsaw. Yeah. With the film before Chris Rock. It could be a sequel to both. It could be a sequel to the original Saw franchise. So I think what they're doing is we're making another Saw film, but before we start it, we need to see how good Chris Rock's movie does. And I don't think it's doing that great. But then again, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. None, no movies are doing good. Yeah. So it's a bit but confusing. People are going, going out a bit more. You know? Yeah. But I, mean, I think I, I would really like to do dinner in a movie again, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll be done for another couple of months. But but Spiral is interesting. Spiral is an interesting film. It is intriguing. There are some funny yeah. parts to it. Chris Rock does the serious stuff pretty good, but then also there are points where his Chris Rock humor comes in. Yeah, and it, it's it's a Good movie. It's not a Saw movie, but it's a good movie. It's a good film. Okay. Yeah, I was interested in it. Okay. I mean, I I almost got tricked into going out to seeing Army of Army of the Dead. Mm. Which I which which I, I was weird because like I knew it was Army of the Dead and I knew it was Netflix. You know. And I hear people talking about it, you know, like TV's Frank made a joke about it or something like that. So, like, I know people are seeing it and I know Netflix and it's not on fucking Netflix anywhere. So, like, they released it in theaters first, it seems. Huh. Uh... It's not on Netflix. I don't. I it's never on, go it's on Netflix. Netflix now. It's on Netflix now. Oh, it's on Netflix I, now. Okay. But I could have been tricked out to the theater to see that. Just had a you know, and it's supposed to be Romero's last script or some shit. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. It was released in theaters on May fourteenth, and then released on Netflix on May twenty first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when it came on Netflix, I saw it, and I'm like, "Holy! Let me give my short review." Piece of fucking shit. Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, you really lost me in the... And I'm not spoiling anything. This is the opening of the movie. Within the first 
five minutes, our first zombie does kung fu. I'm like, yeah, the fucking zombie's doing kung fu, and I'm like, I, I, I mean, I might come back to it at some time if I can get the idea of zombie out of my head and just be like, okay, let's just take a breath and and take them as as, you know, generic monsters, you know, and not zombies, yeah. and just forget zombies and try watching it again. But watching it as a zombie movie, and especially watching it as like the last Romero script, I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, yeah, I can't accept that movie in I, that context. I want to see the film, but only because, uh. Chris D'Elia, D, D, yeah, Chris D'Elia was in the film, and then they finished the film. But then once they finished filming the film, Chris D'Elia had all of these uh, sexual misconduct allegations leveled against him. So yeah. then. Zack Snyder said, okay, well, I'm cutting him from the film. And everyone's like, but you filmed everything. And, and now it's, you know, summer of 2020. How are you going to replace him? So he got comedian Tig Notaro in front of a green screen, had her do all of his lines and added her into the movie in post with CGI. Is this like her first film? She's been in other little things here and there, but this is like a big thing for her, you know? She she was interesting. Uh I I wish I wish her character went a little further. Like I felt I felt like like I could see what she's trying to do for the character. But she's doing it a bit too subdued. You well, know? she she might be doing it, she might be doing it a bit too subdued because she wasn't in the movie. Yeah. They they well, had yeah, her do her lines and it's gonna hamper her performance. Like, yeah. Like like that's 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 the only reason why I wanted to see Army of the Dead is just how do you completely replace an actor in post? Like yeah. that's insane. Yeah. Like oh, no, the allegations. I, I will, I will yeah. not hold this movie against her at all. I mean, you know, if anything, she got my attention. You know, in a movie I was mm-hmm. hating, that where I was like, oh, okay, this is an interesting character. You know. And plus, she gets points because she wasn't there. <laughs> that's that's astounding. Yeah. That's astounding that we live in a in a world of technology where you can do this. Mm-hmm. You know? So that was the only reason I wanted to see Army of the Dead. So how are you doing, Bunny? Um I'm good. Finding you, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm 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 good. Uh give me here. Just knocked the head off my joint and it's on the table. Ow. All right, there we go. 
Uh, <laughs> well, I got I got lazy and I I didn't cut brakes, so I recycled the brakes again. I've been doing that a bit lately. I've been doing that a lot lately, lately as I procrastinate on doing Dabney. Uh, uh, but like ideally, because like you have a piece that was supposed to go in this week's break that, but I didn't cut it. But like ideally, sooner or later, I would really like to have a NFTP site set up for you to just dump your stuff in, so I could just start putting it out on the website stream, which doesn't exist yet. You know. Yeah. But that's that's also on my you know fairly long to do list. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You want to jump straight to Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because yes, I, I, I you, you, I'm reminding you. I, I feel, I feel, I really need to to. <clears throat> Say some things to Mr. Schwarzenegger, and um, this is our platform. You know, this is our yeah. platform. So I have an open letter to Arnold Schwarzenegger. So if you're going to share anything, share that. Okay. So we can yeah. get this to Mr. Schwarzenegger. So that he maybe understands some things. Okay, so <clears throat> dressing Mr. Schwarzenegger, kinda gotta prepare. Dear Mr. Schwarzenegger, I have been a fan of yours for oh so many years. All the way back to Conan the Barbarian, back in 1982. I was a young, fresh spring, spring flower at the tender age of 18. Or I was drunk in a drive-in. Whatever, whatever, okay? Uh, point is, I have been a loyal fan even ever since. I even like the movies that you totally sucked in. Junior, it broke my heart when you became governor of California. Four years without a Schwarzenegger movie, no gratuitous Austrian violence, and you kind of sucked at the whole politic thing, politic thing anyway. Okay? Sorry. I know it hurts. But now, you are back. I just recently watched your film sabotage on netflix and i feel sabotage. to say sabotage using sabotage i got this script it's got to sabotage i think i might do it holy fuck i never knew i could do a schwarzenegger before i've always heard everybody's nice. got a schwarzenegger impersonation for you and you everybody does yeah live. uh I've just recently watched your film, Sabotage, on Netflix, and I feel compelled to say, as a true fan, would you fucking stop it? You're not an action hero anymore. You're a fucking old man. Jesus. Quit it. It's breaking my heart. 
Look, Arnie, <laughs> okay, both you and I know you're putting gold bond on your nuts between takes. Your glory days are behind you. As Shakespeare once said, a man loves, his, loves the meat in his youth that he cannot endure at, in his age. Your meat is fucking 73 years old. Every scene, I'm worried, worried you're going to break a hip. I'm really maybe, confused. Maybe I, politics has changed you. Hmm? I wasn't sure what movie you were talking about, so I looked it up. It's a 2014 film, Sabotage, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and a bunch of other people. But here's the crazy part. Um, it, I, I'm reading the Wikipedia article right here, and, and it definitely takes a turn. Sabotage is a 2014 American action thriller film directed by David Ayer and written by Ayer and Skip Woods. A loose adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel, and then there were none? I don't think there were elite DEA agents being hunted by drug cartels in Agatha Christie's 1939 novel. <laughs> Not to mention the original name of the book was Ten Little N Words. Yeah, was it? Yes, yes. So I'm I'm just really confused. Like, like, yeah, loose adaptation. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit loose. Yeah. Because the book And Then There Were None is a taunt mystery crime thriller, and this is just a shitty Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, with That's the bizarre. rough and gritty look that everybody likes these days. And it's like, oh. Well, well the, director is the, the director is the same person who made Training Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Was he on my celebrities list that I could beat up? Probably yeah. not yet, but fucking close. Soon, yeah. Yeah. Soon, yeah. You know. So, where was I here? Was he in Maybe. any of the... Okay, so I'm, I'm continuing on. That, that yes. was a nice interlude. Fill out that movie a bit a little bit more in case anybody hasn't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Maybe politics has changed you. I mean, you did sleep with your maid. Like, how fucking cliche is that? Yeah. You know, yeah. sleeping with the maid, I mean, let's right up there with the butler did it. You know? Yeah. Get get an original scandal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, do you think it was scandalous? Chosen? Do you think he was like nobody has seen this scandal in a while? <laughs> you know? And also, you lived in this country for forty something years. How do you still sound like this? <laughs> it's ridiculous. You've been an American for like 50 years. How do you still sound like, and I am Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like, <laughs> stop. 
if you're going to make it back to top to the top of the box office, you're gonna have to pivot. Okay, pivot. Maybe hire the Rocks agent. I mean, he's doing better work than you've ever done. You know, and the Rock is the Rock. Really, is the Rock has like completely impressed me as an actor. Yeah, you know, I would feel fairly confident in any movie they decided to drop him in. Um, but okay, well, maybe you hire the Rocks agent, um, or maybe try. You're a hard-boiled doctor in a medical procedural. We'll call it. It's a tumor. Nice. But nice. I like the idea. I think you would be best suited in a sitcom now that you're in your golden years. I know. Oh God, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Bonnie, I'm not funny. I know. I know. We all know you're not funny. <laughs> it's something else you suck at, but 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 just hear me out anyway. You could have the whole cast helping helping to Prop your ass up in the in your sunshine sunset years. The other cast mes- members can even joke about how you keep trying to be funny, and you can't. You can invent the grandpa joke. Okay, you know what he should do. Here's an idea. Yeah, just get you know get Zack Snyder to computer generate him into the Big Show show. Yeah. Okay. That Instead of the big idea. show, it's the Arnold show. But I and do, people I, won't know. People won't know that we're doing this because no one saw the big show show anyway. Mm-hmm. This is true. You know, so no one will know we're doing this. Yeah. This is pretty true. good idea. Or yeah, and and this is in the letter. Or how about? He's the goofy neighbor. Okay. And what makes him the goofy neighbor is he's he's like reliving his youthful days when he was in the Hitler youth. You know? I mean he would be able to get to wear his leader hosen again and and the swastika armband again. You know? So like there's a perk. You know, like really consider it. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, uh, this is a sitcom. We're talking lighthearted fun. I mean, I'm thinking Ken Mars in uh, the producers. Yeah. You know, just comedic yeah. Nazi. You know. Um. But for the love of all that's holy. No more action flicks, okay? It's stupid enough when Stallone does it. And that is my closer. Here's an idea for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm just spitballing here off the top of my head. How great would it be to have Arnold Schwarzenegger do a series of biopics that he is woefully unqualified to be it. Uh, Like, let's just do, like, like off the top of my head, off the top of my head, the the main one that I'm thinking of right now is 
Arnold Schwarzenegger is Stephen Hawking. Yeah. You know, okay, wait. things like that. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mother Teresa. I'm thinking something more along the lines of the Expendables here. Okay. So we'll get Schwarzenegger. We'll get Stallone. Okay. Um, I would really like Carl Weathers. Okay. And I don't know. Who's a good fourth action star um, for this? Steven Seagal. I'll go Steven Seagal. Nice. Okay. For a biopic on Led Zeppelin. You know, you okay. cast Steven Seagal as, as uh, John Bonham, you know. I'm kind of liking Carl Weathers for Robert Plant. Nice. Okay. Schwarzenegger. We could let him be Jimmy Page. And Stallone, because I've never been a Stallone fan. Stallone, John Paul Jones. Because, you know, really, fuck John Paul Jones. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's always one guy in every band who's just kind of like, do you really need to be here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just thinking off the top of oh, I had another great idea for a Arnold Schwarzenegger biopic. Yes. Biopic, but I forgot what it was. Um. Oh! Finally! The uh, the story of Kurt Cobain is brought to theaters, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Kurt Cobain. Oh, what is that smell in the room? It smells like teen spirit in here. <gasps> that is a song. Someone get me a pen. I will write the song. Okay, you know now, box now, office. Now, just ha- how you said. Finally, when you started that, made my brain say Schwarzenegger starring in the Dwayne Johnson story. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. I like that. I I would imagine Schwarzenegger through the whole film being like, his, his, his agent did that? Did you see what his agent... You, you've never done that for me. <laughs> yeah. The air conditioning's running. Please close it. Thank you. But one more thing I kind of want to bring up that you sort of reminded me of at the beginning of the show. Like, been kind of, it, it's a fancy in my brain as, as opposed to a real thing yet. But I'd kind of like to start throwing a little more money at some advertising for the show. Okay. Like maybe 20 a month for a couple of months. And I want to target an audience. And, but like, I don't know. I, the world is insane, you know? I do not want to become well-known in my town, and I don't recommend this to you either. You know? 
Yeah. So I don't want to target Colorado Springs, and I don't want to target Shawnee for advertising. Kent, Ohio. Exactly. I was thinking of having a discussion with you and maybe even opening it up to any of our fans listening for the comments. Uh, what would be a fun city to target for advertising? But yes, Kent is in the fucking running, especially if we could do small bits every week of what's going on in that town. Like, let's just yeah. pick a random yeah. town and take it under the show's wing. And we will advertise See, that, that town. Was... And we will report how... on that town. How serendipitous. I already came up with this idea in Act One. How wonderful. Well, I, I, what... think, I think Kent, Ohio. Uh, uh, is what, that's what I'm thinking. I would like to hear from anybody out there who is interested, you know, Christian, Jennifer, anybody, you know, some of our hardcore fans who probably still don't listen. (laughs) Yeah. We're special like that. (laughs) Uh, For their input, what, what would, what would be a really interesting, weird ass town? I mean, you know, we could advertise to the town that silent, hill was based on you know i mean yeah i i really like kent i'm not saying anything about kent but i think that this we should think about this a little bit yeah Yeah. and hopefully people will comment to help give us opinions but then we will we will adopt that state i will do some advertising with that state and we'll dig up any information city city not state Okay. Dan says we should target women over 60 in Florida. I don't know if I could be that specific. Okay. Well, we we should be targeting more towards women over 60 in Florida. I, I do agree with that. I mean that I mean that would that would be that would be that is interesting frankly because I don't think we would be able to aggravate anybody more than women over 65 in Florida. Which means yeah. there is a high potential for like picketing and calls to to Facebook to have us taken down. And and, all, and we will get more fucking advertising off of that than we could with the ads themselves. So it's an yeah. intriguing possibility. That's, that's so random. Hi, we're Bunny and Steve from the Pope on Film telling you to get your shingles vaccine. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's a decent idea. Yeah, they're gonna love QAnon Karen. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, basically I based it on well, people like you. <laughs> yeah. But that is that is it. That is it. So let's think of some cities 
And should we put it up for a vote? Should we do a poll kind of thing in the group? Sure. Sure. Okay. I think that's a good idea. Okay. So that is about it for me for this week. Oh, I forgot to put up my Schwarzenegger my Schwarzenegger screen. Look at that. Look how pretty. He was supposed to be up the whole time. I can't see it yet. Hold on. I'm waiting. There he is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, Orange. Seriously, man. Yeah. He's kind old. Of like, yeah. I think we should replace him in those grandma memes. I love the grandma memes. Yeah. Where she where where grandma is with her walker and the daughter's helping her and she'll say something yes. like She'll say something completely legitimate for, from some point in my life. <laughs> and then the daughter or whoever yeah. is just kind of discounts it like, yes, Grandma, okay, let's get inside. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Okay, Grandma. Yeah. Like Madonna used to wear her underwear on the outside. <laughs> okay, let's get, let's get you, let's get you in bed. Okay, Grandma. Yeah. Let's just replace it with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's just replace Grandma with Arnold Schwarzenegger and do the same fucking memes. Like, the exact same memes. <laughs> yeah. I think it was I have a twin, work. and it's Danny DeVito. Sure. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's get you inside. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in, like, script meetings, he's always like, well, in, in, instead of this, why don't we do this in front of a blockbuster? What yeah. happened to blockbuster? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was governor at the time. <laughs> but that is it for this week's funny verses. As we get on, what's going on with chap? Have we even talked about you this week? Um, you did a bit. A How one, are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. It 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 just finally stopped raining. It rained for like two whole weeks. Yeah. For over two weeks. So it finally stopped raining. So that's exciting. It's it started here. You know? Yeah. It's just started here like yesterday we got a good decent rain. With some nice thunderclaps. But the thing is, yeah. is that, that at night when I'm getting ready to go to bed for the past couple of months, I've been really fond of putting on a sound thing on YouTube. And I generally yeah. choose heavy rain and thunder. They're like black screen videos. It's just sound. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the sound, the sound of rain and lightning, rain and thunder. And it goes black. So yesterday, when it actually started raining and thundering, I got really drowsy. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, shit, man. <laughs> Time to go to yeah. sleep. But let's head on over to Shaft. What is, what is the Shaft? 
What uh, it's a good one. It's it's about a world famous author who wrote a werewolf novel that uh, that the powers that be don't want you to read. Ah, okay, okay, that should be interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah, get on over there. So that is it for this week's bunny verses. Uh, and I think a damn good bunny verses, but bunny verses can be kind of lame. I concur. I can't think of what I uh, of what to say now. It's like. Ugh. Shut the fuck up. Um, and we just want to remind you, self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. And cut on that. Cut on that. Buddy! Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't nowadays? But it, only the true fans, the real hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning would know two facts about the both of us, two undeniable and really real and not at all made up on the spot facts about uh, you and I, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, the first fact, which is about you, is the fact that when you're not doing the podcast, you're a top writer of erotic fan fiction. So tell us, Bunny, what were the last few erotic fan fictions that you've written? Okay, so the 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 most recent one, which I'm hanging up a little bit on copyright infringement and things like that, but come on. It's 41 Erotic Nights with Gumby. You nice. Know, uh, Gumby gets into serious <laughs> tales. Um, there is... The Erotic Adventures of Astro Boy. Nice. Uh, you Astro gotta have a niche these days. You really do. You to do. make in the field of erotica <laughs> or science fiction. And this is where, you know, this is where, like, a, a Chuck Tingle comes in with dinosaur porn. And he's done very well in the dinosaur porn niche. Yes. A niche he has completely created all by himself. You know, so trying to get yeah. out there, I am I am I am trying to base all of my erotic fiction around like forgotten pop culture. You know? Uh yeah. We grew up with this stuff. We want to find out what happens to our favorite characters in in their adult years. So, you know, uh, Gigantor has, you know, Gigantor, which was on the New York Times bestseller list, erotic section, which they don't publish, for 10 weeks, okay? Gigantor yeah. gets an upgrade. Mhm. Mm uh huh. There's a, there's a need. There is a need. Yeah. You there know? is, and that's where people come to me for their erotica. If they want to know what really happened with Underdog and Sweet Polly Beer Bread, go into my back catalog. Okay, I don't think there's a full novel about it, but but it is a short fiction piece someplace. 
you know. You know, uh, you inspired me. So I'm, I've been on Bing this whole time. I don't see any Davy and Goliath porn. Yeah, I, I try to keep away from the Christian material because it just gets. You know, when you turn over the rock of Christianity, there's some creepy ass shit going on there. You know, agreed. I'm just surprised that there's nothing. It's just kind of surprising. But like, like I, 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 anyway. I, don't, I don't feel that that like Davy and Goliath would be like proper material to present. You know, yeah. Um, I, I don't want to give out some of those messages, man. They, they get, they just they everyone, just really everyone has their limits, hurry. huh? Yeah, everyone yeah. has their limits, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So. And the second thing, and the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do here is I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that you don't know that well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is: another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation. <laughs> Or shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name shap. It's short, but it's powerful, like a Karen's haircut or Anthony Scaramucci's political career. Anywho, today on the old shapity shap shap, we have a short but strong look at a very famous author and the book that they don't want you to read. Uh, now look, unpopular opinion time. If an author is world-renowned as a literary genius, that's when I usually tend to tap out. Uh, I know that by saying this, I may seem like an uneducated, uh, knucklehead McSpazitron, but it's just the truth. I don't care about F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I don't care about Ernest Hemingway. And I definitely, I I, I just don't. I just don't. But I accept their right to exist. I accept their right to exist. You know, and and they are are still important in their own ways. You know, but. Yeah, just not for me. I don't vibe with the material. It's the same way that I don't really like Citizen Kane. There's a lot in Citizen Kane I like, but the story ain't it. Yeah. And I definitely do not care about rugged manly man, human bottle of scotch, sadistic womanizer, and strong Vietnam War supporter, Mr. John Steinbeck. Okay. Who we're talking about today, Johnny Steinbeck. He was born in Salinas, California, and giving birth to John Steinbeck was the biggest thing to happen to the town of Salinas since they finally got a Woolworths. Yeah. So he graduated high school, then he went to college, he dropped out of college, and he moved to New York City where he worked odd jobs while trying to write, trying to get published, but New York City was a bust, 
So we left New York and moved back to California. Now it's the 1930s, the Great Depression. John and his wife move into a house owned by John's dad, who let John and his wife slide on the rent and also supplied him with money and paper so that he could focus on his writing. His first published novel was Cup of Gold in 1929. Didn't really turn a lot of heads. Then in the early 30s, he gets three short works published, but still he's going nowhere as a writer. No one gives a crap. Then in 1935, he publishes the book Tortilla Flats. It's his first big success. Critics and audiences love it. And it's even turned into a freaking Spencer Tracy movie. So boom, that is the beginning of the legend. That was John Steinbeck. But recently, some stuff has come to life about the life of John Steinbeck that is absolutely fascinating. And it changes the early days, what we know about the early days of Jonathan well, but, Steinbeck. But like, like as, soon as, as soon as you kind of brought it up, it sort of flipped a switch in my head. And as I go through, like, I do not know him in any way except through his works. Yeah. But now that you say it, yeah, there is a there is a kind of a concurrent theme going on there that we just kind of took as Americana. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like like, hey, look at me. I'm rugged and angry and I abuse my wife and I drink like scotch, and everyone just sort of went, Oh yes, that's very American. Yeah. Hooray. And it's like, okay. But maybe it's not. It doesn't have to be. But okay, whatever. John Steinbeck, hooray! Newsweek was like, "Hey, this Vietnam War thing is happening. We need someone to go over to Vietnam and do some reporting." So, oh, maybe we can send John Steinbeck. Let's call him John Steinbeck. Do you want to go to Vietnam? And he's like, "Ah, oh, sure, whatever." So he goes to Vietnam, and he's he's there with the soldiers, and he's there in the jungle, and he's there in the shit, and he's like, "Okay, I am ready to write my article." Vietnam. Fucking awesome. America is heroes and we're doing good work in Vietnam. But fuck but, those Vietnamese people. Let's kill them. Vietnam you, is awesome. And it's but like if you think really? about it, like even even from Mice what? and Men, which is like my favorite Steinbeck, you know, it, like what's the bottom line of that book? Is like if you work re in the middle of the fucking depression, a depression era book set in the time, mm -hmm. if you work really, really hard, you will, you will make it out of here and you'll be able to have like a farm and rabbits and things like that of your own. Even if you have to kill the retard. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I apologize for using the word, but. I felt it. I felt that that's that's the attitude. Like if we had to retitle mm -hmm. it, you know. Yeah. It so would John have Steinbeck. an insensitive title. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's okay. really it. That's what it's about. I mean. Yeah. What else was it about? You know, or or it's. I read the grapes of. I read The Grapes of Wrath, and I'm like, oh, man, finally, a book about grapes. Yeah. <laughs> there should be more grape-related novels. I thought it was going to be about the... 
I, I read the whole book thinking, finally, a novelization of those California Raisin books that I love so much. <laughs> those commercials. That was going to be about the, the California Raisins. Of course, you shouldn't buy any raisins because there's a raisin mafia. Yes, there is. That's out there. That has a stranglehold of the raisin business. Look it up. We did a whole shop about it. Yes, raisins. Stay away from it's it's insane. So John Steinbeck, before Tortilla Flats, before Cup of Gold, before uh, Grapes of Wrath, before all of that, John Steinbeck is just a wannabe writer. He's desperately hoping to get something, anything published. And apparently this has come to light during the time that during this time, the early days of like the, the late 20s and the early 30s before he takes off. John Steinbeck wrote three full-length novels that were never published, books that he had fully written and that he was passing along to different publishers and saying, oh, somebody's got to take these. These are gold. And uh, he wrote them under pseudonyms. Two of the novels were destroyed by Steinbeck. But the third book not only survived but is currently gathering dust in an archive in Austin, Texas. Wow. This unpublished John Steinbeck novel is called Murder at Full Moon, and it's a goddamn werewolf novel! <laughs> it's about a small town, and ooh, the detective is concerned because these mysterious deaths have been happening in the town, and they all seem to be happening during the full moon. Gee, I wonder who's responsible. It's a werewolf. John Steinbeck wrote a goddamn supernatural fantasy thriller novel under a different name called Murder at Full Moon. A Nobel Prize winner wrote a shitty, pulpy werewolf novel. Now, this shouldn't be surprising because, uh, fun fact, William Shakespeare's first play was called Big Boobed Bimbos Go Bananas. But that was good, okay? I'm sorry. It was good. It was good. It's, it's the whole old English, you know, that you're yeah. just kind of revisiting, so, you know. Madame Vine. It's, it's just like pinkies up for the classy stuff. You know, yeah. if you want something to sound classy, you say it in old English. So and let's not forget. You're far superior. Yeah. And let's not forget Mark Twain's first uh, major article was entitled The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County versus Predator. Yes. Which he wrote. Before he was famous. And fun fact, before he wrote Carrie, Stephen King wrote an unpublished horror novel, really scary, called The Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure, which they did eventually turn into a very frightening film. It was actually one of his short stories when he used to have to get his short stories out of porn mags. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like, that is literally how I got the raft from, like, I don't know, you know, like, like your second tier porn mags, the really, yeah. the really kind of gross ones. 
It was one he of those. It might have been boy. He would be in like cherry or might have been high society. Or, yeah. yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and it was an insert, and it was like all over the cover, and uh, I was like. Okay, I got to get that. I was a huge Stephen King at the fan fan at the time because it's when Stephen King was hot. Yeah, and endorsing everything. Yeah, and it was an insert, like a little magazine that you pulled out of the center of, of whatever it was, and it was the short story for the raft. Weird. Weird. But so yeah, so uh, John Steinbeck wrote a werewolf novel, but um, sadly, this book, which is currently gathering dust at the University of Texas's Harry Ransom Center, will probably never be published because John Steinbeck's literary agents refused to ever have it published on the grounds that Steinbeck himself was embarrassed and never wished for murder at um, murder at the murder at full moon to be published after he became famous. Yeah. So John Steinbeck's like, hey, I need to get something published, anything published. Here, I'll write a stupid werewolf novel. Oh, wait, I'm famous? Oh, well, no one can see this novel I wrote. Don't yeah. anyone look at this. So it's just locked up in, it, in, 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 in an unpublished John Steinbeck novel. It's just gathering dust in Austin, Texas, and will probably never be allowed to, to read it. And that's messed up. Yeah. There's been growing call over this past week for people for 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 them to release murder at full moon, but it'll probably never happen. And that's sad. Yeah. You know, it's really sad. That's like learning that. I don't know. Uh, Dante wrote a vampire story. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah, like, oh, really exactly. Uh, maybe we should. But it, but it, like uh, it kind of terrifies me. Yet I am curious as to like who the werewolf would be, yeah. you know. With with the kind of right lean John Steinbeck has, yeah. Like who would be the werewolf? Would would who would be the werewolf? Probably one of them Mexicans. That's kind of what I'm afraid of. Yeah, yeah. I get it out Marie. there. Get it out there. You, it, it, it. The further we go back, the more racist shit just gets. Yeah. You, you just mentioned the original title of Ten Little Indians. Like, I'm not freaking surprised. Yep. And that's then where, there were none. And then there were none. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where that's where Bosco came from from the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Agatha Christie's novel, and then there were none, was a new title that they gave to replace the title Ten Little Indians, which wasn't even the title. Originally, it was Ten Little N-Words, but they said, oh, we can't have a book with Ten Little N-Words. Let's change that to Ten Little Indians. It'll be fine to make fun of the Indians. So... Yeah. 
And then there were none is a title to replace a racist title, which was given to replace an even racistier title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like that's racismception. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. But what I'm saying is America should be allowed to read John Steinbeck's unpublished werewolf novel. Yeah. Murder at full moon. How many other Nobel Prize winner, Pulitzer Prize winners wrote a pulpy werewolf novel? We need to read this for ourselves. Yeah. And the, is the it public- any is it any good? Oh, you know, see, I mean, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's horrible. That would make it better. Yeah. You know, take Steinbeck down a few pegs. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting for. I mean, because there are certainly people around about the area who could have probably written a really good werewolf story like uh, Lovecraft or Poe. Yeah. You know, kind of a jump in years there, but just off the top of my head. But anyway, yeah, John Steinbeck wrote a werewolf novel, and I usually end most uh, Steve's historic approximations with this, but I'm kind of surprised that people don't know more about this. So go out there, head to the streets and demand that they release John Steinbeck's werewolf novel, Murder at Full Moon. Hopefully one day we will live long enough to, to, to be reading Murder at Full Moon in the theater before we finally get to see the day the clown cried. Yes. That is the dream. Yes. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! We still have a double feature to get to. Goodfellas. And the sequel to Goodfellas, which came out before Goodfellas, Steve Martin in My Blue Heaven. We also need to talk about uh, screenwriter Nora Ephraim, uh, Paul Williams, uh, the movie Kindergarten Cop, Elmo's World, Hogan's Heroes, Sophie's Choice, Saw, Disneyland. We have a lot to talk about. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Shouldn't we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pobon film after this. Do, 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 do. Do 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 skinny pop and do wow and break.
everybody, Mr. Steve here. And this is a lemon. I did a video and I called it the Eat It Like an Apple Challenge. I ate through three foods as if it was an apple. I ate a banana without peeling it, an orange without peeling it, and a raw potato. Uh, it was the eat it like an apple challenge. Can you eat it like an apple? Well, I guess this is eat it like an apple too. I've got a lemon. This is the goal. <laughs> the goal is to look at you, the audience, with no emotion. Eat it like an apple, and that's it. No emotion on this face. And this is going to be difficult. I have a very emotional face. I have a very expressive face. You can always tell how I'm feeling. My face will tell you. So it's going to be difficult to do this. I will not be taking off the sticker, although I like the little bee. I am confident in my ability to do this. To take a bite from this lemon without feeling it and show. No emotion on this face. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can do this. <laughs> I got this, 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 I got this. Hello there. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Oh, this? Oh, it's just, uh, it's nothing. I just wanted, I just want a little snack. That's all. I do enjoy myself a good snack. Just a little snack I like to eat every once in a while. I can smell it. Yeah. Oh, look, some juice. Very tasty. Oh, oh, give me a towel. Okay. Give me a towel. Get a towel. Give me two of them. difficult things I've ever done. Oh! But let me tell you something. If you want to freak somebody out, 
Just stare them directly in the eyes and eat a lemon. I can't wait to see that footage. Hmm? Oh my oh! god. Man, you but did I did it. Yes! 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 There's a gentleman out there by the name of Jean. Now, Jean is very close to somebody that I know from a long, long time ago. He is a friend of mine, and therefore, Jean, by de facto, we are good friends as well. And now, Jean, I shall read this for you. Rusty Cage. You wired me awake and hit me with a hand of broken nails. You tied my lead and pulled my chain. To watch my blood begin to boil, but I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. Too cold to start a fire. I'm burning diesel, burning dinosaur bones. Yeah, I'll take the river down to still water and ride a pack of dogs. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage. It's like a Phillips head into my brain. It's going to be too dark to sleep again. Cutting my teeth on bars and rusty chains. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. Oof. When the forest burns along the road like God's eyes in my headlights. The dogs are looking for their bones and it's raining ice picks on your steel shore. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage.
Hi, I'm not Dora the Explorer. I'm QAnon Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God's color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. Because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election, but the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. (laughs) Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. We're talking George Soros. We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortese. Save children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Save the children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers. Sam, I am. Would you like green pigs and ham? Would you like them over there? Or would you like them over here? Would you eat them in a box? Would you eat them with a fox? Would you like them in a house? Would you like them with a mouse? You may like them, you will see 
You may like them in a tree. Would you could you with a goat? Would you could you in a boat? I could not like them. Those green eggs and ham. I cannot stand them. Mr. Sam, I am. Would you, could you in a car? Eat them, eat them, here they are. How about in the rain, in the dark, or on a train? This is it! We got stories for our grandchildren! Much, much, much later. Hey, Grandpa, tell me about the time you committed treason. Well, our president was a racist and a rapist, and he lost re-election. So we decided to break into the Capitol and try and hang the vice president, kill a bunch of people. I saw somebody take a big shit in in a hallway. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a pretty great time, man. And that's my story. That's not a very good story, Grandpa. Well, fuck you, you piece of shit! When mold invades your space, get Concrobium Mold Control. Only Concrobium crushes mold and mildew at its roots, leaving an antimicrobial shield so it won't grow back. Con-cro-be-up. Defend your home. Be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass. Always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hi, Mom. What do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm a construction. He's not Jewish. For most of the guys, killing's got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. It's a Very funny, guys. It's a leg. It's a wing. <laughs> what do you like? A leg and a wing. to live any other way was nuts. <laughs> we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's gonna be a good summer. <laughs> it was a glorious time. In a world that's powered by violence, on the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. 
my ears when you do it. But who's going to save the suburbs from Vinny? You know, it's dangerous for you to be here in the frozen food section. Why is that? Because you could melt all this stuff. The comedy that asks the question, can an urban hood find suburban hood? Would you like to try a vanilla brand oat crunchy? What do you think? Steve Martin, Rick Moranis. Have a nice day. Up yours. Eleanor, lower it. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Act three, money. Act three. Act three. Yes, money, my friend. It is time once again to casually amble on in to the third and final act of this alleged film podcast. And it is said third act. Wherein we discuss our hand-picked, hand-crafted, and hand-jobbed movie of the week! And this week, we discuss one of the strangest and greatest double features we've ever seen. The 1990 films, Goodfellas and My Blue Heaven. Yes. Just to start off, I really just want to say before we go any further, I really, really appreciate this double feature. And I think it is a stroke of genius that we are doing it. Uh, and that's that's all on you. Okay. It's a great double How feature. I feel about the movies, on the other hand, that may be a bit of a different story. Yeah, I mean... One movie doesn't really take itself seriously, is a bit of a joke, isn't written well, and the other one has Steve Martin in it. <laughs> we can all agree that one of the movies is kind of a stinker, and the other one has uh, Joan Cusack in it. <laughs> so, there you go. First off, I want to talk more about My Blue Heaven than Goodfellas, to be clear. Because Goodfellas is a classic film that everyone has already said everything about. Okay. But here's enough. our thesis. Both of these films are the same damn film. Yes. And I find so, that fascinating. To yeah. no end. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So, and, and also, and secondly... I noticed while watching Goodfellas, because I've seen Goodfellas like a bajillion times, but now I'm watching it for the podcast and I'm trying to take it seriously and, and really pay attention to it. I noticed that Tobin Bell is in it. Yes. Tobin Bell, a.k.a. John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, is in about four seconds of the movie Goodfellas as Jimmy Conway's parole officer. And I just think that it's neat that both Samuel L. Jackson and Tobin Bell were both in Goodfellas, and they were both in the Saw series, but never together. Yes. Because Samuel L. Jackson plays uh, Chris Rock's dad in the new movie Spiral. 
Okay. So, and so I just find it fascinating that they were both in Jigsaw, that they were both in the Saw series, and they were both in Goodfellas, but never together. I just find that to be interesting. Wanted to point that out. And secondly, in the beginning of the film My Blue Heaven, Steve Martin's character steals his wife's credit card and makes it disappear using some Ant-Man Jimmy Woo sleight of hand magic. Yeah. Which is great because Disneyland. When Steve Martin was super young, uh, he lived right near Disneyland. And so Disneyland opened up and he was a young kid. And what he did was he got a job at a very young age. He was like 10 and he got a job at Disneyland as a newspaper boy because they had a like a printing press on site at Disneyland during the early days. And every day they would print a newspaper. Yeah. And it was Disneyland Today, the Disneyland newspaper. And so they would get local kids from Los Angeles, from Orange County, and they could they would come into the park and they they hire them as newsboys. So Steve Martin would just just get, you know, come into Disneyland early in the morning and get his uh, newspapers and just go around Main Street just being like, uh, hot off the press, Disneyland newspaper, only a nickel or whatever. And he yeah. sold newspapers. Yeah. And then when the he part. Yeah. So then when he got older, he was too he was too old to be a newsboy. So he got a job at the magic store on Main Street. Nice. And he he always loved like theater and being in front of a crowd and everything. So he got a job at the magic store and learned all the magic tricks. And he would just be there on Main Street as like a 16, 15, 17 year old Steve Martin just doing magic tricks for people. So I love the fact that in the beginning of my blue heaven, he steals his wife's credit card and just makes it disappear because that is straight up some fucking shit he learned at Disneyland as a teenage boy. And I love that. Yeah. And he just disappeared. What credit card? I don't have it. Put it back. Okay, fine. Poof. Like that's yeah. some straight Jimmy Woo shit there. And I love that. Yeah. Flourish. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just love that. Okay. So here's the story. Oh, I just love of how Good Jimmy Fel- Woo. I'm sorry. You, you went there. I just love how he's. No, no, it's fine. Like- how he's developing as a character and I'm finding that very interesting. You know, like he is yeah. he is like heir apparent to Colson who they completely fucked up. Very much so, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I want to see him in all the movies now no matter what the fuck he's doing, whether or not he gets superpowers, I I want to see him in everything. You know? Yeah. Let him be the. I would like to see all the movies hang on. I would like to see a movie where Jimmy Woo is somehow forced to team up with Scott Lang's crime buddies. Oh, yeah. I would just like to be in a car and. Jimmy Woo is driving, and then the fucking Mexican guy from Ant Man is on the side just talking. Yeah, he's in shotgun, and then the other guys are just in the back talking about I don't know gypsies and 
uh, Baskin Robbins, but that's the movie I want to see. <laughs> Just all of them. That would be a wonderful film. Okay, so here's the story of Goodfellas and My Blue Heaven. The movie Goodfellas is based on a nonfiction book called Wise Guy, and that was written by crime author Nicholas Pelleggi. He was a crime reporter for the New York Times for over three decades, so he had the bona fides. Yeah. You know? So good. the movie Goodfellas got the name Goodfellas because in the 80s, there was a TV show called Wise Guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when the book Wise Guy came out, they're like, we want to make a movie on Wise Guys. And it's like, oh, shit, well, we can't call it Wise Guys. Because there's a TV show. And Martin Scorsese didn't want to confuse people. Okay, there's a fact I want to look up. Okay, so Goodfellas is considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Everybody loves it. It's incredible. It's a good film. And yada, yada, yada. Bunny. Yes. Quiz time. How much money did Goodfellas make in the box office? Oh Jesus! And I gotta, I gotta allow for inflation and shit. I don't going have to do inflation. To say, it came out. How much money did it make? One hundred ninety-two million. Close. It made forty-seven million dollars. <laughs> Ooh, on what kind of budget? And that was it. That was it. It only made $47 million in the fucking box office. This is like everyone's favorite movie. It did yeah. shit in theaters. Yeah. I didn't pick it up until video. Yeah, I think most people did. I had it on, I bought it on DVD and you had to turn it around. Yeah. We're one of the film, and then you turned it around to finish the movie. Is how long ago I bought yeah. the DVD for Goodfellas. But this movie barely made back its budget because it cost $25 million to make. Yeah. And it only made $47 million in the box office. So that's almost a failure in the goddamn box office. Well, this is. And then. And but then see... it's nominated. For every Oscar, including Best Actor, to Robert De Niro. And that's got to suck for Ray Liotta, right? Yeah. I'd be pissed. It's the story of Hank Hill. It's like, oh, Robert De Niro. And also, I find it hilarious that when you first see Robert De Niro's character, he's supposed to be, what, early 30s? As if. Like, oh, so this is a science fiction film. Okay. So when we first okay, first okay, see but that Joe kid, Pesci, he's but that kid is like fucking step the fuck off. But that kid from the early years did a fucking awesome Joe Pesci. Yeah, you know. Yes, and he, yeah, he did. He and did. again, this is he this did. is where it sucks to be an actor. He's got to deal with that for the rest of his life. Yep. You know? 
that you make a really yeah. good Joe Pesci, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's got to be sad. That's got to be a bit sad. But Goodfellas is is a part of my Atlantic City story. If you remember that. Yeah. Let's see if I can tell you. I don't you know if I remember that. So, me and my first wife were living in Binghamton, New York. We were, you know, moved up there from Long Island to get really far away from my family. Uh, it was an escape. But anyway, the job we worked off had like a little, um, employee association thing that they took out of your paycheck every, every week. Uh, but then you got certain cheap things like a, a trip yeah. to Atlantic city would be like something like 50 bucks a piece. And then they give you back 10 bucks in quarters. And you would take the bus down to Atlantic City, which was a long haul, but you know you didn't do this all the time. Um, yeah, and we wouldn't like bet more than the quarters they gave us, of which Dora once hit two hundred bucks on a slot machine. So hey, nice. good investment, you know. So like yeah. even even me, like the slot machines are fun, but once I'm through ten up ten bucks and quarters, I'm done with the slot machines. You know, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that leaves us a lot of time left over for just kind of mucking around on the boardwalk, you know, because the boardwalk is just a cool mm-hmm. place to be. You know, they have little curio shops and things like that. There are fucking buffets all over, you know. Uh, Meanwhile, you're still you're seeing signs for who's playing in town, you know, and it was Atlantic City. We'd get some good, good people. But anyway, uh, I digress. So we're walking around and uh, there's a guy handing out pamphlets because there are guys all over handing out pamphlets and they were showing off timeshares and we would get a free prize. And I was like, what the fuck? You know? We're not doing anything anyway. This is an adventure. Let's do this. So we go to the timeshare. They had a special bus waiting, and when when they would fill up a bus, they would take them over to the timeshare. If you've ever seen Wall Street in a movie, like the actual dealing floor, you know, and the kind of chaotic environment that is, that's what yeah. this was, just filled with realtors trying to sell timeshares. Okay, I can which, picture that. Which right there is freaky, you know? Yeah. And then somebody comes up to you like a, like a Denny's hostess, you know? And then that's your yeah. realtor. And they bring you up to to one of the one of the rooms, and they show you around the timeshare. And it was like ten thousand dollars or whatever. And it was it was just fun. I mean, one of the things we used to do as a couple that was fun, um, was go to model homes, you know. 
Oh, yeah, my homes. parents used to do that all the time in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, this was getting around the time where I was really getting interested in buying a house and shit, you know, whatever. But, um, so we look around the timeshare and our, our, our realtor, his name was General. Okay. Fine. You know, I mean, but like you would think. A realtor would change their names to something milk toast, you know? But anyway, yeah. that's just me. But he brings us back into this like dealer's room, you know, which has the low hum of a hundred voices talking at the same time. Okay. Yeah. And General is trying to hard sell a timeshare. You know, and we just flat out can't afford a timeshare. There's nothing you could do that is going to enable us to get a timeshare. You know what I mean? So, like, we're not doing anything at this table. And uh, then after that, you are brought to his boss so that his boss can make sure that he's doing his job right and everything. So we are brought upstairs to like a big meeting room, okay? In the meeting room, in the center is a desk and a young man behind it. There are two large men who let you into this room and then follow you into the room. Okay. And they get us chairs, and we sit in front of the desk. And the gentleman behind the desk was a rather small man who, like, stepped right out of Goodfellas. Literally stepped... He was even doing the Godfather thing a lot while he talked to us about the timeshares. When you say the Godfather thing, you mean that he was putting a orange rind in his mouth? No, going, the, side, the side brush he used to do, you know. But oh, anyway. okay. I am now terrified in trying to figure out what the fuck we're into and how the fuck we get out of it. Yeah. My wife I would be was, terrified as well. My wife was Swiss. She did not recognize anything that was going on and did not find it any any anything out of place. And I'm trying to keep cool like they're not going to whack you over a timeshare, okay? That's not going to happen. Yeah. This is just a really uncomfortable situation. You know. And he was like questioning, you know, what did you think of the timeshares? How did general, you know, stupid ass marketing questions. Okay. Like, like yeah. real, like focus group questions. 
he was asking. But still, it was like Joe Pesci asking these fucking questions. Like, you know you don't want to give the wrong answer. You know? And finally, I was yeah. just, you know, like, bottom line, man, I, like, I, look, we have to go through an employee association to come down here once in a while, and this is a major-ass deal for us. I'm sorry, dude, no matter, no matter what you say, we can't get a timeshare. It's just not going to happen. And once he said that, he was like, all right, all right, there's some prizes for you, you know, go, go pick something out. It was nice meeting you both. And I'm walking out like that worked (laughs) (laughs) like, okay, keep cool. Keep cool. Like I am fucking petrified and I am trying to keep this all in. And it wasn't until after the bus ride back to the boardwalk where I started telling Dora what the fuck that was about. (laughs) And then when I got her home, when we got home, the bus ride home, I sat her down and I put on Goodfellas. And while she was watching Goodfellas, she was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I love that story so much. You should have put on my blue heaven. She would have been adored. Yeah, right? Those guys. So funny. Okay. So I find it fascinating that Goodfellas only made $47 million. Just to wrap that that up real quick. Just to wrap that up real quick. You know, we went because I wanted an adventure. And we just fucking got one. <laughs> yeah, you got a fucking adventure, bunny. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But I find it fascinating that Goodfellas, one of the most celebrated movies of all time, only made $47 million at the box office. Hey, maybe we figured out the reason why Martin Scorsese hates Marvel films. <laughs> I mean... If you get down to it, Avengers Endgame made about, I don't know, 20 Goodfellas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, every Marvel movie makes about 10 to 15 Goodfellas. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's just fucking sour grapes. All right, your product's not selling. We're in a capitalist country. What do you want to do about it? Please do. Yeah. But but don't bitch about the successful movie. It's giving us the escapism we need right now. Got that. Got that right. Um, okay. You know, so, so real, real life street crime is not kind of the, the what we need right now. Yeah. Okay. So Nicholas Peleg Pelegi. Is interviewing Henry Hill for for his book, Wise Guy. And at the time, Nicholas Pileggi is dating a screenwriter named Nora Ephraim. Absolutely, positively, 100%, uh, one of the biggest names in screenwriting. At the time, she had written the movie Silkwood, for which she was nominated for an Oscar for that best screenplay. And she also just had just completed writing a novel about her life that was turned into a movie with Mel Streep and Jack Nicholson. 
So she's starting to go somewhere. And she's like, oh, hey, honey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm interviewing this mobster for, for uh, a book. And she's like, oh, well, can I sit in? Can I help you interview him? Maybe I can come up with an idea, too. So uh, they both. So when Nicholas Pelleggi is interviewing Henry Hill, Nora Ephraim is there, too, helping to interview him. Yeah. So. Nicholas Pelleggi writes the book Wise Guy and Nora Ephraim has an idea for a script, but she has to wait because she's working on two other films. Number one, Cookie, starring Peter Falk, and also another movie that she just wrote the script for that she's working on called When Harry Met Sally. And that made her explode. That made her absolutely explode. Suddenly she's the most famous uh, screenwriter ever. And she decides to follow When Harry Met Sally, and everyone's like, oh, this is such a big buffo box office smash. You can do whatever you want. She decides to follow When Harry Met Sally with her idea. Oh, I've had an idea for a while now on a comedy loosely based on interviews I did with Henry Hill. And by the time she starts working on the idea for what would be my blue heaven, the book Wise Guy has come out. And they're working on making a movie of that. Now, Goodfellas could have come out first, but Nicholas Pelleggi, when he was working on the book, he's like, he's working on the book. The book, uh, before the book came out, there was buzz about the book before the book was published. Yeah. And Nicholas Pelleggi is like going to his office, whatever, and his secretary is like, hey, you got a call? While you were out, it was from Martin Scorsese and Nicholas Pelleggi goes, you wouldn't call me. Are you fucking kidding me? That was probably my friend Hank making a joke. I'm not calling this number back. Fuck that shit. And so like a week later, it's like, hey, you got a call again from Martin Scorsese? And he's like, oh, nice try, my friend Mark. You're not (laughs) catching me. So he's like, all of these calls and then eventually Martin Scorsese gets him on the phone and he's like hey I heard you've been interviewing Hank Hill you're working on a, a gangster book when that book comes out I want to be the one to do the movie and Nicholas Pelleggi is like great Martin Scorsese they reached like a handshake agreement over the phone but that's it nothing set in concrete and this yeah. is before the book comes out so then the book comes out in 1985 and every director in Hollywood wants to make it into a movie including Brian De Palma he was like oh this is right up my alley I'm Brian De Palma I want to do I want to do the the wise guy movie you got to let me do it and, and that's a shame that, but, but, but Nicholas Pelleggi is like, no, no, Martin Scorsese wants to do it. We have to wait for him. He's doing other things right now. So I'm not going to sell the rights to anyone, but Martin Scorsese, but we have to wait for him to be done. And that's a shame because you know what we could have gotten? Phantom of the Mafia. <laughs> Sorry, Paul Williams as Henry Hill. Yes. Oh, I like how you're thinking there. Yeah, the yes. Phantom of the Mafia. I, I, I don't know. I no, I don't like, know if I like Paul Williams as Henry Hill though. I think I got to go with with what no. was his name who played Winslow Leach as as Henry Hill. Oh yeah, yeah you would have yeah, to put, you would have to put 
you would have to put Paul Williams into the De Niro role, I would think. And then what do you do with De Niro? Easy. He's the lead singer of the Juicy Fruits. Yes. There yes. you go. They started the, the, the retro trend. <laughs> but Nicholas Pileggi waited for Martin Scorsese to be done with Last Temptation of Christ. And the whole waiting for Scorsese is how Nora Ephron beat Goodfellas to cinemas. My Blue Heaven came out one month before Goodfellas, so it's a sequel. Yes. Because Goodfellas follows Hank Hill through three decades of crime and ends right when he goes into witness protection. And then, boom, Nora Ephron, whose, whose movie, My Blue Heaven, is based on the same interviews that uh, Nicholas Pileggi did for the book, finishes right after Goodfellas ended. Yeah. Immediately after Goodfellas ended. And so... My Blue Heaven is the sequel to Goodfellas, but it came out one month before Goodfellas. Yeah. And that is freaking fascinating. You know? And I love the fact that, like, here is Goodfellas, and it ends on this sort of sad genomois, and Nora Ephron gets that sad ending and turns it into this like weird, madcap, happy story. So yeah. here's okay. So here's why I was weirded out when you started the podcast talking about is saying, "Hey, when we get to Bunny Versus, we're going to talk about." Originally, Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to star in this film. My Blue Heaven. Yes. Okay. Was this in his junior days? Um. Okay, so Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to star as the informant in My Blue Heaven, and Steve Martin was going to be the FBI guy, but Arnold dropped out to go do Kindergarten Cop. Okay. Because, like, I so could kind of see, I, I see Schwarzenegger's name up there. I'm not saying it would be good or any better or anything else. I could just see it for the time. The thing this is, is, is that the entire movie would have had... After. Yeah. If Arnold starred in My Blue Heaven, they would have to rewrite the whole thing because I can't imagine being like, Hello, I am an Italian gangster. From the old country. I like eating the meatballs. <laughs> you know, like, what, like, fucking... Hey, forget about it. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? You've, you've been in this country since, like, 1970. How do you still sound like this? Yeah. I think it's like, I think it's like, uh, what's the name of that guy who's hosting a fucking uh, uh, The Price is Right now? He had his own show. Big guy with glasses. Price is Right. Oh, <laughs> Drew. Drew Carey. Right now. Drew Carey. Drew Carey. He got laser surgery, so whenever you see him wearing glasses, the glasses are fake. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because he realized that, like, hey, I got laser surgery. Now I've got 20-20 vision. How great. 
oh shit, I have an image. Yeah. I can't just lose the glasses now. So now he has a bunch of like hundreds of pairs of glasses with lenses in them that have zero prescription. He just has to wear glasses everywhere. <laughs> that's how people know him. So I, I find that fascinating, you know? Yeah. So it, it, anywho, I, so Steve Martin said, if you're looking for someone to play the mob role, I'll do the mob roles. So there you go. Rick Moranis is an amazing person, and we do not deserve him. I'm I'm sorry though, man. I, I just got to say that this movie, the weight, the weakest link in this movie, in my opinion, was Steve Martin. Yeah. He does a good job of being. See, see, here's the thing: is that he. He sort of nails a comedic interpretation of the gangster that Ray Liotta plays. And he does, he has the mannerisms, he has the 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 way to the speech. He 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 nails it, but also like Arnold Schwarzenegger would have done a horrible job as a gangster, but it probably would have been a more successful movie. Yeah, well, first thing, I think, I Steve think Martin his, whole, his whole impersonation was a bit too over the top. Where every this time was the period was of time when I stopped caring was... about Steve Martin. What? What? This was the period in time when I stopped caring about Steve Martin. Yeah, like I stopped seeing his movies in theaters, and I never saw this one. Like Leap of Faith. Yeah, that's when I started going. Oh, okay, maybe. Maybe I'm done with Steve Martin movies for a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was, I think it was just too much. And it, like every time he was on the, on the screen, he was an, an annoyance. And he never stopped being an annoyance where I think it should have had a more gentle arc where you can see that, yes, he was building a, a sports place for the kids you know okay because it would be yes. in his character and you would have seen it was in his character leading up to that okay but hear me out uh what if because my blue heaven came out before goodfellas what if someone got steve martin put him in a sound booth had him record some extra dialogue and someone edited My Blue Heaven, but you take out those, uh, like, in between each scene, there would be, like, dialogue of Steve Martin's character on the screen as, like, a caption. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was kind of annoying. But, but then I thought, what if you remove all of those captions and have Steve Martin narrated in the same way as Goodfellas? <laughs> okay. Like, what if you just got, because Steve Martin's still fucking alive, just re-edit the film, but now it's just, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to live in the fucking well, suburbs, you know? Just, like, get rid of, just get rid of the title cards. Yeah, get rid of the title cards, but then you can, you can add, some, you can add some, some narration in there to make it seem a bit more like Goodfellas, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it would be a better movie if you did that. 
The rest of the movie I'm pretty okay with. Rick Moranis and Joan Cusack are, are like charming as ever. I love you know? Joan Cusack. I have always loved Joan Cusack. They are both easy to love on their own in this movie, and then you absolutely adore them once they're a couple. So you know about Rick Moranis? The whole Rick Moranis thing? What? His career was going crazy. He was in a bunch of movies. And I love the fact that Steve Martin and Rick Moranis are in this, and they were also uh, in Little Shop of Horrors together. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Rick Moranis married a woman in 1987, and they had two kids together. And then... Shortly after the second child was born, she developed an extreme case of liver cancer and died. So Rick Moranis left the public eye and stopped acting so he could focus on being a parent to his two children. Yes, yes. And that's why you just stop seeing Rick Moranis in things. And that's fucking adorable. And we don't deserve that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fucking love Rick Moranis. And also, I want to take this time to say, Bunny, you probably don't know this, but um, Rick Moranis's best friend in my blue heaven, fellow FBI agent Kirby. Yes. Well, um, well, that's I, my I know, I know him. I don't know if I know what you're going to say, but yes, go ahead. You probably don't know what I'm going to say, but he's the original Mister Noodle from Elmo's world. Really? And that's a big ass fucking deal. I'm not surprised. For like but 10 I... years. For like 10 years, he was in every fucking episode of Sesame Street. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so but I, I remember. I can, I can see. It. about colors. Maybe we should ask Mr. Noodle. Mr. Noodle. And fucking he would appear. His name is Irwin. I remember him from Popeye. And I oh, remember I, yeah. him from uh, what that Paul Simon song that he uh, did no, with Robin Williams not. right around the same time. Nope, huh? close, but uh, uh, that's not him. Bobby McFerrin's "Don't Worry, Be Happy." Oh, video okay, was okay. It was yeah, it was Bill Irwin, Robin Williams, and Bobby McFerrin. Bill Irwin is specifically an actor who focuses on vaudevillian comedy. Yeah. So like pratfalls and old-timey gags, and that's why during the dance scene where everybody's dancing the merengue, suddenly he's like freaking the fuck out. He's doing, he is a vaudevillian clown. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I ever saw him was on the only episode of The Cosby Show that I can remember. <laughs> as a child he was in an episode of the cosby show and bill cosby brought his uh his his kids whole class to like oh you don't know culture we're gonna go to vaudeville and you're gonna love it and like here's a singer and the kids hate it here's a here's a, a, a juggling act and the kids hate it and everyone hates it it's like hey there's gonna be clowns and it's like, oh, is that going to be horrible like everyone else? And then Bill Irwin comes out with a trunk and does his weird pratfall, Mr. Noodle, Elmo's World sort of shit. And yeah. the kids love it. Yeah. But that's Bill Irwin. 
Um, now, of course, uh, Goodfellas is a classic movie. It's amazing. I love it. But I, I just find it fascinating that My Blue Heaven is a direct sequel to yes. Goodfellas. Oh, God, and more that people story should is know amazing. This. More people should know this. This is astounding. And there are some similarities between Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas and Steve Martin's character in My Blue Heaven. I mean, they, 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 the suits, the sort of jovial attitude, yeah. they're both tipping heavily. Yeah. The freaking hair, the love of food, like you can see this is the same character. Yeah. It's kind of like how the bad guy from Austin Powers International Man of Mystery and the bad guy from Kids in the Hall Brain Candy are both based on Lorne Michaels. Yes. So you can see Dr. Evil and the head of Rorator Pharmaceuticals are essentially the same person. Yes. Yeah. But, um... But I, would, it, I would just can't recast Steve Martin. I'm not, I, I'm not sure... You know, I'm having a hard time thinking about who else was around at the time, you know, but I was not crazy about Steve Martin's performance in this movie, and I think it could have been better. It, he, he does a better job than Arnold Schwarzenegger would have done, but oh, also yeah. it, it's not it's not believable that Steve Martin would be a like a mobster. That sounds ridiculous when I hear myself say that. Because everything else, like really, everything else I prefer in this movie to what Steve Martin was doing. Again, Martin Short and Joan Cusack. Or Martin, uh, Martin Short, sorry, Rick Moranis' aspirations in, this, in the FBI and he wants to go undercover, and, but he's saddled with this fucking mook. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. There, there was a lot of good in this movie. Just wasn't Steve Martin. <laughs> I, I someone should finally write lyrics to the piano part at the end of Layla. Yeah. Italians dead. A fucking bunch of Italians are fucking dead in various places in the Bronx. Like that's off the top of my head, but it's a start. Bunny, what other beloved dramas could be turned into feel-good comedies? Beloved dramas that can become feel-good comedies. I don't know. Uh, beloved dramas. I've got, I've got two. Right Jeannie's now. thinking Casablanca. You got two? The okay. two goes, that'll probably inspire me to find get on the track. Okay, so here's my idea. You could easily Hogan's Heroes up Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Like, they say I did it, but I'm innocent. I'm going to find a way to bust out of here with all of my wacky friends. This guy (laughs) has a bird. This one's black. Gotta watch out for the sissies. Shawshank Redemption this summer. You know? Okay, wait a second though. Wait a second though. 
a small tweak on your idea. I like I like where you're going. Okay. Thank you. I like where you're going, but let's keep a little more faithful to the Hogan's heroes. They don't want to they don't want to break out. They want to stay in prison where they run drugs through the prison for the Aryan nation. Well, I, I was thinking just like like the mood of it, like Hogan's heroes it up, or like um, Mikhail's navy it up. Yeah, you know. Oh no, they're wacky Aryan nation to to be yeah. sure. Yeah, well, you could really turn Shawshank Redemption into a wacky prison comedy. Yeah, Harold and Kumar go to Shawshank. Yes. Yes. Like, that's a possibility. Here's another one. Here's another one. Sophie's Choice, the funniest comedy of the year. (laughs) Meryl Streep plays an exasperated mom with two wacky, precocious children. Mm -hmm. You know, just an idea. Just an idea. That's that's my starting off point. But I think there's a lot of movies. And every time the kids start acting up, Sophie says, don't think you're off the hook yet. Yeah. You're not as cute as the other one. (laughs) One of these days, kids, bang, zoom, straight to the gas chamber. (laughs) Yes. That can be your catchphrase. But I love the fact that here is one of the most beloved films of all time, and here's the wacky romantic comedy sequel yes that's fucking weird and i love it (laughs) oh yes oh yes i absolutely love this funny yes yes do you have anything else on this uh, double feature also you miss you misspelled the word feature but that's fine yeah, I've been having a problem with my keyboard. Okay. Keys have been sticking and shit. I hate that. Yeah. And I'm doing it in Photoshop for so Photoshop doesn't give you the red line. <laughs> yeah. It just takes whatever you give it, baby. It doesn't care. Uh no, not really. Although I'd love to do I mean, we really can't do more double features like this. But I would yeah. love some uh, double feature. <sighs> I don't know what to say. I, I like this. I want more. Let's just leave it. At yeah, that. I liked it too. I liked it too. This is surprising. Funny. Yes. It's summer. It's summer. It begins. I'm looking at the window and I don't believe you. Okay. Yeah, it's summer is hard here. To believe in these parts. Summer is here, and this is the summer where Bunny and Steve become bottoms. Yes. Because we're yes. focusing on the IMDb bottom 100 list of the 100 worst movies of all time. Here's the fun part: is yes. that I have 30 of the 100 movies. Okay. On my computer. And what I want to do is to go from 100 to 1. Now, we're not going to do every one of the 100 worst movies 
obviously. But the thing that I find exciting is which movies are we going to do? Are we going to do the adventures of Pluto Nash, the love guru, son of the mask, slender man from 2018, the American white dragon ball Z movie. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ooey bowl in that list. Yeah. Uh, Britney Spears' Crossroads, Cats, Battlefield Earth. What movies are we going to do? You don't know. There's two Jaws movies in here. Yeah. So so, so, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do, but I do know that we'll be doing the number. We're going to start with the number 100 movie, yeah. and we're going to end with the number one movie. Unfortunately, what this means is that next week... <sighs> It would be nice to have a thread of some sort. I'm, you know, I'm, what is the connective tissue between all of these bad movies? You they all I mean? suck. They yeah. all fucking suck. Most of them. I don't think that the 1990 Captain America film deserves to be in this list. Yeah. But that's fine. That's beyond the that's beside the point. I'm also surprised that the film The Turning isn't on this list, but but again, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I I want to go in order of number one hundred to number one, and just to pick and choose along the route films that we can do. Unfortunately, that means that next week we are starting out our summer of bottoming. Sadly. With the Guy Ritchie Madonna film swept away. Oh. Guy Ritchie starts a relationship with Madonna. It's a fun, casual thing. He makes the movie Snatch, which is a wonderful fucking movie. So good, so funny, an amazing cast, an incredible film. After Snatch comes out, he marries Madonna and makes her the star of his next film, which is the worst fucking movie of all time. And <laughs> that Madonna could never act. She this wanted movie, to be an actress so bad, though. She wanted to be movie, Marilyn Monroe. Did she did, but this movie single-handedly destroyed her entire acting career. And I have avoided this movie for a very long time, but it, I think it's an important one to do. I just finally forgave Guy Ritchie. Okay. Because in uh, he his his newest film is called Wrath of Man, which just came out, and it's in theaters. And I haven't watched that yet, but his movie before that was The Gentleman. And that's one of my favorite movies. The Gentleman is good. Such a good fucking film. And oh, so good. Such a good film. I'm always uh, uh, I'm always trying to force uh, Bella or uh, Natasha to watch that movie with me because it's so good. White Widow Super Cheese. No one ever calls weed White Widow Super Cheese. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who calls it White? Anyway, next week, sadly, we're watching the Madonna film swept away. Also, I have a new segment for Act One, 
every episode, we will be doing a movie from the IMDb 100 list and also in act one, discussing a movie from the list that we won't be doing. Like? Like Codename K-O-Z, which is a Turkish film. In Turkey, there's President Erodan, Egrodan, Erodan. Turkey's run by this government, and there was this massive scandal. So the government of Turkey released a film about the scandal where, uh, hey, guess what? The scandal, it was all done by the deep state. See, there are people in the government who are trying to destroy the government from within. And it's basically the worst propaganda film this side of uh, Hitler. Yeah. Really? It's like if it's it's like if Donald Trump made the Donald Trump film, the triumphant story of America's greatest president and the evil Jews and Mexicans trying to take him down. It's the number three worst film of all time, and I can't find it. It's codenamed KOZ. It's all in Turkish. So how are we going to discuss it if you can't find it? Oh, no, there's a ton of information about it. I just can't find oh. a copy. And those are the movies that we're going to be discussing in Act 1. The movies that I just can't find or that we're just not going to do. I'm really hoping we can get back to Steve Stubbs. I really yeah. like Steve Me Stubbs. Too. Me too. I, it, it, yeah, I miss it too. I was really happy to be talking about Spiral this week. Yeah. Even though it's not really a Saw movie, it was nice to talk about the movies again. You you made us go see a dog movie because of Steve Stubbs. Oh my god, that was that was the worst. That movie was the worst. Oh my god, and the homeless guy dies. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, it's all coming back to me. The homeless guy dies and the dog is attached to the homeless guy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be a horrible summer for us, and I want to apologize, but I think it's going to be great content. Next week, we're watching a Madonna movie. It's going to be tough getting through, though, man. It's going to be a rough. It's going to be a rough. It's going to be a rough, a very rough summer. We're going to be watching some bad movies that we have avoided. We've never even dared to watch Battlefield Earth. We've never dared to watch Bratz. We haven't watched an Uwe Bowl film. We never watched From Justin to Kelly. I don't think we've done <laughs> Birdemic before. Have we ever done Birdemic? I don't think we have. Um, I don't know. I think we've talked about it. No, I don't think we've ever actually done Birdemic. Yeah, so this is going to be a difficult summer. Have you ever seen the Spice Girls movie, Bunny? Uh, no, but I've actually heard it's actually pretty good. Are we talking well, about Spice will. World? Spice World. I've yeah. heard yeah. good things about Spice World. I so I, I am uh, interested. Okay, well we'll see. We'll see. We'll get to it eventually. Spice well, Girls, from what I understand, story. has a bit of a cult following of its own. It's so bad that it's kind of good in a the room sort of way. We will see. Yeah. But this is going to be an exciting summer. So next week, we are watching 
ton of film swept away, and that's going to be painful. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, wow. So many. It's such a great episode. Kent, Ohio, Back the Blue, Mike Myers, John Steinbeck's werewolf novel, Phantom of the Mafia, uh, Steve Martin versus Arnold Schwarzenegger, how we don't deserve Rick Moranis. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. I am going to say it has been a damn good episode. We got a damn, guys. We got a damn. We got a damn. Oh, thank goodness. Because, uh, you know, I felt that way, but I didn't want to say anything because you're the person who makes that distinction, not me. I didn't want to step on any toes. But yes, I concur. I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Eleanor and Maxwell and Bella and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. How did your swap was a poopy touch? Any werewolves? Nice. I don't I don't know if, if people remember. <laughs> Poopy Toots was originally Maxwell's catchphrase that Bella started saying for him. Oh. Yeah. Remember that, Bella? And also, yeah. And also, I I recently realized that Poopy Toots was just another word for Pop Tarts. Oh, yeah. And I would say, yeah, and I would say to the kids, like, hey, who wants a Pop Smart? Who wants a pap smear? Who wants a who wants a poop to who wants some poopy tooks? Who wants a poopy took guys? Who wants to eat some poppy some poppy tits? Who <laughs> wants some poop to? So so poopy toots was is just pop tarts. Nothing bad. Yeah. Nothing bad. It's just it's the way I used to call pop tarts. A moment of teapot history. Yeah. Fascinating. Do 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 do. Okay, then say your thing, Eleanor. And you do schwavels and poopy toots. Now you say your part. And you take your time, Eleanor. Take your time. You know we got the whole rest of the day. And you cookies and cream. Nice. There you go. You're you're included. Do 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 wow cut and print cut and print that's a wrap that's a wrap that's a one a spicy meatball that was